Hey, thanks for tuning in to Daily Devotions with Pastor Eric. I hope that today's devotion will be a blessing to you. Either you're supplementing this with your other devotional practices or you or you are using this as a way to learn more about how to start your own daily devotions. If you have questions about anything that I covered today or you would like additional suggestions on how to include devotions into your life, please email me at ebreynolds87 at gmail.com. We're going to start with our opening prayer from the book The Valley of Vision. And I might actually include, I'm considering this for the next several days or next several devotions to include this same prayer uh, because I think it's just so powerful uh, to start our daily devotions. This is called the love of Jesus. Oh, Father of Jesus, help me to approach thee with deepest reverence, not with presumption, not with servile fear, but with holy boldness. Thou art beyond the grasp of my understanding, but not beyond that of my love. Thou knowest that I love thee supremely, for thou art supremely adorable, good, and perfect. My heart melts at the love of Jesus, my brother, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, married to me, dead for, died for me, risen for me. He is mine and I am his, given to me as well as for me. I am never so much mine as when I am his, or so much lost to myself until lost in him. Then I find my true manhood. But my love is frost and cold, ice and snow. Let his love warm me, lighten my burden, be my heaven. May it be more revealed to me in all its influences that my love to him may be more fervent and glowing. Let the mighty tide of his everlasting love cover the rocks of my sin and care. Then let my spirit float above those things which had else wrecked my life. Make me fruitful by living to that love, my character becoming more beautiful every day. If traces of Christ's love love artistry be upon me, may he work on with his divine brush until the complete image be obtained. And I be made a perfect copy of him, my master. O Lord Jesus, come to me. O divine spirit, rest upon me. O holy father, look on me in mercy for the sake of the well beloved. We're going to be reading from Jeremiah 1. I'm going to attempt to uh, do one chapter uh, a day in in the book of Jeremiah, which uh, Jeremiah is, is 52 chapters. Uh, we might take a break at some point to break things up because that's a, a very long time to spend in one book. But uh, Jeremiah is one of the least preached books in the Bible. There's a lot to, to, to glean and learn uh, from the prophet Jeremiah. A lot of encouragement and a lot of um, great wisdom to come from there. And all of, all of the Bible is inspired by God, uh, written by by the Holy Spirit through man. So uh, we know that it is all profitable for teaching and rebuking. So it's important to me um, that we cover uh, a wide range of things, not only in preaching, but also in our devotional lives too. So starting in Jeremiah 1.1, there are 19 verses in the first book of Jeremiah. The prophet writes, the, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. 
It also came throughout the days of Hiokim, uh, son of Hoziah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah wrote. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But I protested, Oh no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. Then the word of the Lord came to me, asking, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, asking, What do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot, its lip tilted, tilted from the north to the south. Then the Lord said to me, Disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. Indeed, I'm about to summon all the clans and kingdoms of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. They will come and reach and each king will set up his throne at the entrance to Jerusalem's gates. They will attack all her surrounding walls and all the other cities to Judah. I will pronounce my judgments against them for all the evil they did when they abandoned me, to burn incense to other gods and to worship the works of their own hands. Now get ready, stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them, or I will cause you to cower before them. Today, I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the population. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's Declaration. We learn here uh, two things that I'll cover. Our calling is personal and effectual. We see God call Jer Jeremiah. He spoke to the prophet, calling him and setting him apart for his own glory, meaning God's glory, prior to his being born. Likewise, you and I as followers of Christ have been set apart. God has knit us together while we were yet in our mother's womb. He has planned for us a journey that would glorify him, that would see us know him more and love him since before the foundation of the world. That is how long he has been planning this for. This is the God that we serve, that has worked all things together for his own purpose since before the foundation of the world. That is incredible. For those that become Christians, God has called us personally personally, just as he has here with Jeremiah. It isn't by random chance that you've been saved, though it might seem like it. It isn't because you were raised in America or in a Christian country or in a Christian home, though it might seem like it. God has placed everyone where he wants them, and he has worked all things together for good and according to his own will for those who love him, according to Romans 8. 
He has chosen you for his own glory and his own purpose. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that can happen today, tomorrow, or for the rest of eternity that can change his call on your life. You are his and he is yours. Then we see that we will face spiritual warfare in this life. Jeremiah would not live an easy life. At the time of these events, Israel had wandered and strayed from their covenant with God. We see God give Jeremiah two visions that indicate his impending judgment on Judah. But Jeremiah would be the harbinger of justice, the one to point Judah back to their God. After these two visions, God encourages Jeremiah, calling him to be steadfast despite the opposition he will face from the public, the priests, everyone associated with with uh, Israel and Judah would come upon Jeremiah and resist him. But God says, no, stand fast, stand fast, Jeremiah. No doubt there are times in our lives that we need the encouragement of God as seen here in Jeremiah. I ask you, what are you looking towards? Where are you looking towards for your encouragement? Are you truly looking towards God or are you looking towards others or yourself? It's all too easy to look for ourselves for our own sustenance, our own uh, sustaining, uh, su- uh, sustaining in our lives. You will uh, let yourself down. Undoubtedly, you will. Eventually, others will let you down. But how could God? He has saved you. The one who has saved you also sustains you. He has called you his own. He has knit you in your mother's womb and set you aside for his own glory since before the foundation of the world. Look to God for your provision. Stand on his word, on his promises, and in his provision. God has saved you, he is saving you, and will come again to rescue you from the corruption of this world. If that's not encouraging, then I don't know what is. That the God who controls everything and works everything together for his own purposes, that he, despite of whatever you're going through right now, that he cares for you and loves you as a child of him. Uh, We're also going to pick up where we left off uh, several weeks ago um, on John Calvin's, a little book on the Christian life. Uh, I'm going to include this uh, link in the show notes. Uh, If you want to pick this book up, I highly recommend it. John Calvin writes, This self-mortification, therefore, will only take place in us when we fulfill the sum of love's requirements. And we will fulfill these requirements not when we merely perform all the external duties of love, even if we don't look, overlook any of them, but when we do so from a sincere affection of love. For it might happen that someone fully performs his obligations as external duties go, and yet he is far from performing them from the right reason. For example, you may see certain people who want to appear very generous, and yet they give nothing without resenting the recipients of their generosity by their proud expressions or arrogant words. Hence, the wretchedness into which this unhappy age has sunk, that hardly any charitable gifts are given, at least by the majority of men, without contempt for those to whom they are given. Such viciousness would not have been tolerated among the pagans of old. Something more is required from Christians than wearing a cheerful face and rendering their duties attractive by friendly words. First, they should imagine themselves in the situation of that person who needs their help, and they should pity his bad fortune as if they themselves both bore it and felt it. 
Thus, they will be compelled by a feeling of mercy and humanity to give him help as if it were given to themselves. One who has this mindset and approaches the task of helping his brothers will not contaminate his duties to others with arrogance and resentment. He, he won't despise a brother whom he helps because his brother needs such help, nor will he subject his brother to himself as a debtor. We should, of course, never mock an injured limb which the rest of the body labors to revive, nor would we consider the limb particularly indebted to the body's other members because it has received more help than it is given. The help that different members of the body mutually offer one another should not, according to the law of nature, be considered a favor, but rather as an obligation that would be unnatural to refuse. For the same reason, one who has performed a single obligation should not consider himself free from doing more. As generally happens, when a wealthy person, after offering something of his own, leaves it to others to see to remaining needs, as if such remaining needs had nothing to do with him. Rather, everyone should consider himself, however great he may be, a debtor to his neighbors, and he must set to limit to the exercise of kindness toward others, short of the failure of his own resources, for such kindness as far and as wide as they extend should conform to the rule of love. We're going to close with prayer this morning. Um, I hope that uh, today's brief devotional uh, was edifying to you and that you found it um, helpful. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Father, how easy it is for us to stray from you, how patient you are to deal with us as your children who wander from your word and calling on our lives. Your love is greater than we can imagine. Your mercy is more powerful than the raging seas and your forgiveness is long-lasting, never wavering nor faltering. Though we can find great fault in ourselves, you find great pleasure in the glory and righteousness imputed to us from your Son. Father, we seek your glory for our lives. We desire for your name to be made great among the nations. We seek your Son as our portion and our prize. We long to have your Spirit to continue his work in us as he draws us closer to communion with you, Spirit convict our hearts, causing us to gleefully seek your face, turning to you in faith as we seek to repent of our sins, how grateful we are to receive and experience your love and forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for your calling on our lives. Sustain us as we seek to glorify you in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless and we'll see you next time.